I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the show Stranger Things. Today we'll be covering the first episode from season two titled Chapter One, Mad Max. So Rima, it's bright and early. We're doing this, <laughs> you know, what, what we just said before, you know, mornings are for coffee, contemplation, and Stranger Things. No other way um, that I'd like to start my day than with a brand new episode of Stranger Things, and what an episode. Oh, it was great. I'm excited. I mean, it just makes me so much more excited for season two. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm I'm so excited. It was so hard not to keep watching and just, like, totally ditch this whole recording thing today and just <laughs> keep watching. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, before we get started, we've got a quick word um, from our sponsor. Um, th- or from our sponsor. This week's episode is sponsored by Freshly. So Freshly, if you don't already know, um, it's a meal delivery service. Um, they send fully prepared meals um, that are fresh uh, for the week. They do all of your meal prep, so there's no shopping, no chopping, and no cleanup. Um, I hate all of those things, so that's oh, wonderful yeah. for me. <laughs> um, so it's a great alternative to eating takeout, which we know is not very healthy for us, um, and it saves you from having to cook up meal kits. Um, so all you have to do is you just heat it and eat it, and each fresh meal is ready in about three minutes. I mean, you cannot go wrong with that. Talk about a time saver. So they're already prepared for you, um, and you feel good after eating them. Um, so it's easy. It's convenient. I recently had the grilled chicken risotto with butternut squash, and I it, it, it was so good. That butternut squash was like the just like the yummiest butternut squash I think I've ever had. I've tried to cook it on my own, and I must have really um, messed that up because it's <laughs> nearly as good. Um, so it it was super yummy, and it was so filling. I I. It was almost too much. I had to like almost cut it in half and save it for later because it was you get so much in in these meal kits. Um, so it was super yummy. It, it's a great option for everyday eating and it tastes really good. There's lots of really good spices and flavor. They're not bland um, at all. So they're always fresh, never frozen. Um, they're 100% all natural, no artificial flavors or preservatives, no refined sugars, and no gluten. Um, a lot of that's really important to me. I like knowing that I'm eating good things, um, and not eating like junk. Um, so that's really important to me. So it's super easy to, to order these, uh, meals. You just go to freshly.com, choose your meals for the week from the rotating menu, and they'll send them to you in a, in a refrigerated box. Super cool. Um, the promo code is strange. Um, it'll give uh, all you guys listening two weeks of chef cooked dinners for $40 off. You get $20 off your first order and $20 off your second order. Um, what a great deal. Thank you, Freshly. 
Yeah, thanks, Freshly. Awesome. Well, I can't wait another minute, Sean. Are you ready to jump in? Let's to our do top it. Five? Let's talk about this episode. So um, I'm going to start because I can't wait. I, I have to talk. <laughs> <laughs> have to talk about this episode. I'm I'm just bursting. Um, I feel like it's oozing out of my pores um, to talk about this episode. So I'm going to start out mine, and I'm numbering this week, guys. Um, my number five um, is: Do we have another eleven, or should we say eight? Oh yes. <laughs> I mean, how cool! Oh my gosh, Stranger Things is certainly carrying on their awesome tradition of cold opens. Um, I talked about it a lot in, in, in our discussions of season one, how awesome these cold opens are and how they really draw you in. Um, so we're not in Hawkins w- during this cold open. Um, they tell you right away, at least they're not leaving you in mystery as to where they're at. Um, we're in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. um, Pennsylvania. Uh, they at least give us a year, a heads up in case you didn't already know. We jumped a year ahead. Uh, season one was 1983. We're now in 1984. You, we got this police chase. It uh, looks like some something happened. Was it a bank robbery? Uh, yes, yeah, so that's it. what it looked like to me. Is a bank yeah. robbery or something like that? Yeah, because there's like an alarm going off. Uh, there are people wearing these masks, freaky Halloween masks and stuff. Um, got these. Got this super intense girl sitting in the passenger seat, and it's like she she knows. It's like she just like go right, and she's just like steel faced. No emotion, and it's like she knows exactly where to go. And, I mean, my attention was drawn to her immediately, like, who is this girl and what's going on? Um, And then as, you know, the cops are chasing, they think they get away. Cops find him again. um, And and she does this, I don't know what it is, this thing. And and she, she makes that bridge look like it collapses or falls and causes the cops to crash, and it really didn't happen she made him think that it happened (laughs) and then her nose starts bleeding and you see that tattoo on her arm I'm like what the hell but I mean it makes sense right because I mean 11 couldn't be like the 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 only one we know that Dr. Brenner had been experimenting on on kids or that something had been happening um but but yeah the numbering system doesn't start at 11 <laughs> exactly yeah i mean it, like uh, 1 to 1 to 10 or 1 to 11 1 to 12 how, who knows how many of these kids there are but you know we only saw 11 mm-hmm. in the first episode we didn't see any other kids you know uh rooms like 11s we didn't see any other children around 11 there wasn't like a you know a daycare going on at this facility um we that girl did look her. that girl did look a, quite a bit older too than 11 i mean she was exactly. like late teens yeah, because I think eleven was um, she was what like eleven or twelve, I guess, in last year. And this girl looked easily, I thought like teenage years. That mm-hmm. she didn't look. I don't. I don't know. I, I'm not good with ages or predicting ages, but I found her fascinating. I really, I really liked her look. I thought she just had this really fascinating look. Um, I just, I like that whole code open and just this whole new mystery or expanding, I guess, on the whole mystery that we have is who is this girl. You have any thoughts? Yeah, it was her? cool. So uh, you know, you see the bank heist. I we, I think we had talked about it earlier that or a story where they talked about this was going to kick off in a different city. And you know, as you're watching it, you do get that sense of like, oh my gosh, am I watching a different show? Did I click play on the wrong thing? Mm-hmm. Am I watching Narcos or something instead of Stranger <laughs> Things? And so you're following this, and I got the same sense with the girl. Like the first time she says turn right, you can just be like, oh well, she just understands the city. Mm-hmm. But as she keeps saying it and weirder things are happening, you kind of start thinking like, okay, like, you know, the first note I wrote is like, oh, is this an- another number 11? Like, is this another person with power? 
And, you know, she's, they go, it's like, turn here, there's a tunnel. It's like, okay, something's weird here. And she's clenching her fists and she says, boom. And the, uh, the tunnel collapses. I was like, oh, she has like powers just like Eleven. Mm-hmm. But not quite. There's something different about her powers because, yeah. you know, you see the police cars crash together and the guys ask like, well, why'd you stop? And, you, you know, he freaks out and looks like, oh, shoot, like, what, what the hell did I just see? Yeah. And I don't know if, uh, you know, as you're talking about it, like, I'm trying to think, like, do these numbers mean anything? Because at first when I saw L with 011, I thought maybe they're using, like, a binary system. So, like, mm-hmm. she was actually, like, the third one or something like that. Right. But, you know, that theory is obviously not true with this because we see she's 008. But I wonder if, again, these numbers have some representation because L and her have completely different powers. Mm-hmm. Like, it didn't look like she was moving things with her mind or anything like that. She just kind of had more of a ability to see things maybe in the future or you know, she somehow had more control of the mind. And I know whenever they talk about like army people and they, they discharge you because of, you know, going crazy, you get a section eight. So, and it's almost like she made that guy go crazy for a moment. So I wonder if that has any relation to, to what it is or not. So I'm curious if 11, if anything significant about her number is that it's like each one is a a different type of, you know, the number means something that they're trying to accomplish. Very good thoughts. Could be yeah. way, way overthinking it, but just kind of like, oh, well, she made that dude go crazy for a second, so maybe that's a relation, or maybe they just like, oh, well, let's just pick eight. Right. <laughs> right. The Duffer Brothers will listen and be like, oh, yeah, totally, we meant to do that. Eight, because it's crazy number, and crazy eights, you know, the card game, totally same thing. She makes people go <laughs> right. crazy. Right. And they look at each other like, hey, write that down. Season three, we got to pick a number and have it mean something. <laughs> Well, we don't know, right? We don't know if it's just like a numerical order of these children that they have done these experiments or or whatever it is that these children are that they're developing as these weapons. But also, as you were talking about that and the, and the possibility of, of that, the meaning behind number eight and, and this girl not quite having the same powers, is it, I'm wondering if whatever they are doing to these kids in these experiments or, or developing these kids, are these powers maybe more individualistic, kind of like an X-Men thing? Mm, yeah, yeah, good point. Where it's like they, they, like us, I mean, I don't have any special superpowers, but if somebody goes and does experiments, some kind of weird experiment on me, does it bring out something in your subconscious that you don't, that you're not aware of and it brings it out in you? Are they individualistic? Like being uh, a mutant? Rima, your superpower is podcasting. If they did experiments, you'd be a super podcaster. <laughs> Woohoo, where's my cape? <laughs> I want a cape. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't I don't know. That just as you were talking, that just made me think that I mean, maybe I mean she does I mean it was pretty pretty awesome power. And I mean she was just so like so smooth about it. I loved that whole little effect where she just kinda takes her hand real slow and just like you said says boom yeah and and makes it like the bridge collapse and it looked real i mean we oh, didn't it know did, at the yeah. time and uh, well and obviously that cop thought so too um but when i wonder if they're just individualistic like whatever they're doing to these kids that it's you know bringing it out in them like like the x-men you know and, and mutants because isn't it like in the x-men that um you know, you're born with it, but they don't always come out right away. Like you go, you go through something like maybe puberty triggers it, or you have some sort of traumatic experience that happens in life and it, and it brings it out um, in you and you, you, it reveals your superpowers or whatever it is that yeah. you have. I think like the gene gets activated if something like that, like puberty, tragic event, or just, you know, finally it's, it's time you go, th- you go through mutant puberty. I don't know. It's, it's, <laughs> I read it in science class, I think. Right. 
And then you'll grow claws out of your arms. Right. (laughs) Or turn blue like Mystique. Um, I like her. She's super cool. Nature, Um, is this a superpower? No, you're just a weirdo. Right. (laughs) Awesome. Good thoughts. Yeah. Do you have anything else to say about that? No, I just had a few little tidbits on it. But yeah, it's a great opening. And I thought the quality of it was good. Like, that was a really good police chase. I mean, for... Being just like, I mean, I think that might be all we see from Pittsburgh potentially. And if that's mm-hmm. all they did, like that's pretty good quality. And it, you know, it seemed really good for like, you know, you think of Netflix quality, you know, it's, it's definitely up in its game. Absolutely. It was really put together well and it seemed believable. It seemed like a believable chase. It wasn't, um, cause you really thought you lost them there for a minute and then they ended up, you know, they think they're safe and then they find them. And I mean, it seemed, it seemed like a pretty believable chase except for the part where, course you have this mysterious girl making them think a bridge has collapsed um or a little overpass whatever that was maybe it wasn't a bridge but whatever it was that they um like the tunnel she said there was a tunnel um so whatever whatever that was that wasn't exactly uh something you'd see every day but it seemed it seemed pretty believable it was a great opener really well put together and i hope we get to see more of who this person is this girl um i'm i'm intrigued with her she i just loved everything about her i thought she was super cool So, awesome. What's your number five? All right, so for my number five, I'm going to jump in. We kind of talked about it last week a little bit because it's really heavy in the trailer. I want to talk about the arcade. So Uh, the boys are going through. They're getting their haul together. You know, they're getting coins. You know, uh, Lucas, he went out and mowed a lawn, so he made some money. You know, uh, Dustin just is digging through his mom's couch. And I don't think we saw his mom last year, but she seemed pretty much exactly what I thought his mom would look like, you know? (laughs) Yep, exactly. Not, like, super creepy, like the It mom, but, you know, kind of, you know, like, has the cat, a little overbearing, but, like, it's kind of like, oh, okay, well, Dustin's not going to get in any trouble. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> Mike is super uh, um, not concentrating on the hall at this point. He's on something else, so he forgets about it, so he runs into Nancy's room and steals her quarters, which we find out later he gets in trouble for. Uh, and then Will... Um, you know, we see a little bit of him as well. I think his mom might, he didn't really say how he got his haul. But, you know, they're in the arcade. It's a great, like, you know, experience for a kid. You know, I was more in the 90s, but I'm sure kids in the 80s had it just as much fun with it. Mm-hmm. I remember going in and it was like, oh, it's four quarters. Or if you use a $5 bill, you get 25 quarters. You get an Woo-hoo. extra one. Or you get <laughs> yeah. an extra four or five. And, then, you know, you, you could spend, like, hours there. and The time would just fly by. And I know me, like, it seems like these guys are there all the time. Now, I'm not sure what, what games cost in the 80s, if it was a quarter a play or 50 cents a play. I know mine was more 50 cents a play. Mm-hmm. And now I think they're like a buck 50. Like, it's expensive to play video games. It is. But you get the whole backstory. Like, these kids, like, live at the arcade. They've got the high score on a bunch of these things. Um, you know, they know the, uh, the guy who's running it, some creepy kind of nerd guy who's sitting there eating Cheetos, trying to get a date with Nancy. Um, <laughs> It's, it's one of my future numbers, but there's somebody who is uh, who's breaking some of their scores that they don't know about. Yeah, and and hey, that that in the day, let me tell you what. And I mean, if you've played at arcades too, and you've spent enough time there, that you, you're proud of that if, oh, when your yeah. name is stamped on there. On those there's high scores. A, when I worked at a sports bar, they had a a car racing game, and you'll be in a server. I'd get a lot of quarters and stuff like that. So. At the end of the night, usually I'd play a buck fifty worth, so it was like three games. And me and my buddy Rich, who worked in the back, each day we'd play and see who could beat the be the top score. 
And this game was awesome because, like, you put in, like, your you, – you basically got, like, a sign-in. And so, like, you know, I can't remember what mine was, but um, you'd sign in, and each time you'd get um, – like, you'd keep your stats. And we'd always compete to see who could have the best record on the track. And there was a, one time, I think it was either him or me, like, just hit a track perfectly. And, like, there was no way nobody could ever get close. Like, you had to run it perfect to get this number. Um, and, but, but yeah, like you'd walk by and I'd point to him and be like, Hey, that's my number. <laughs> See if you can beat it later. But yeah, so my number five is just kind of the whole arcade experience. You know, the gang's back together. They're there having fun. But of course this is Hawkins. This is stranger mm-hmm. things. You know, happiness isn't going to be there for very long, but we don't get that carefree childhood arcade experience for too long because we know some freaky stuff is getting ready to happen again, but I, I totally agree with you. Growing up where I did that arcade was very similar uh, to the one that I went to a lot as a kid. That was, um, I think I talked about it in one of the other um, episodes uh, that we did, uh, maybe the last one, where the arcade was uh, right next door to the movie theater. So, um, you know, and, and most video games were like a quarter, so it was hilarious thinking that these kids needed all that, like Lucas is having to mow lawns to play these games because like some of those bigger games as, as video games got more popular. I mean, it wasn't just Pac-Man and Dig Dug anymore. You got these big games like that Dragon's Lair and those did not just cost a quarter. Most of the games that I played were a quarter, usually no more than like 50 cents mm-hmm. um, whenever I was playing as a kid. And so it's hilarious that these kids are having to scrounge up all this change to go play, not just to have a whole night at the arcade and have enough money to play, but those bigger games start costing a lot more. I remember, you know, you look at it and it would tell you like, you know, 75 cents a dollar, dollar 25. And you're like, what the hell? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know how kids can, like, I don't know how arcades can stay open to this day, for one, because everybody's got their phones, everybody's got, you know, home consoles. Like back then in the 80s and even when I was in the 90s, like, to get really cool games, like you had to go to an arcade. But yeah. today, like I, I, last time I went to one, I looked and it's like, oh, this is like a game I played ten years ago uh-huh. that they want a buck fifty for. It's like I could download it on my phone for you know free. So yeah, it's it's a whole like it's kind of like the blockbusters and things like that. It's just a thing of the past that you know we're gonna be sitting there telling these kids be like back in my day. <laughs> We can play on our fancy phones. You don't know the struggles. Um, and a mowing on for Mr. Johnson for six dollars. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. They'll never know the struggles, but oh my gosh, how much fun it was. I mean I mean and that was that was a thing of pride. I remember being at the arcade a lot and um as you said, you know, that the, the boys are all upset because they, they get to dig dug and they see Dustin has been knocked down because there's this new name up there with a, an incredibly high score and I remember mm-hmm. being ticked that because I, mean, I wasn't at the arcade every single day I didn't live like in, you know that close to it um so it was you know maybe once a week or once every couple of weeks or something that I would um you know be able to go and you know I go back to one of my favorite games and I see I've been like knocked down off my high score and I was pissed oh, I was yeah. like, if we're gonna remedy this I'm gonna sit here and until I can get <laughs> get it right back up where it was before I was not a happy camper. So I, I I thought it was totally hilarious and a totally relatable moment when uh, the boys are all like, what, what the hell? And Dustin's all mad (laughs) about it. Cause um, Dustin took it pretty hard. Like I think he took it the hardest of most of them. Well, and what was even more hilarious is whenever they find out that um, it's not just some other kid, it's a girl. Mm -hmm. So spoiler alert. I've got that in my, uh, my future numbers. Yeah, so that's a really great number five. Yep, my number else? five is just the arcade. Oh, God, miss those arcades. 
My number four, it's kind of short, um, but just Joyce has a new man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, and maybe I mean, and maybe not new, just he she has a man. <laughs> yeah, I saw him come in and uh, I knew he was he so he plays uh I think he's Raphael from the new Turtle cartoon. Oh yeah, Sean so he Astin. voices him. Yeah, he voices I'm pretty sure. Let me double check before I make a false statement about the Ninja Turtles and everybody's like, I thought you were a turtle fan. <laughs> yeah, Call yeah, you he out, is Sean. <laughs> he is Raphael from the Ninja Turtles. I was pretty sure about that. That is super cool. I didn't know that. Um I, well I love Sean Astin. I you know, I, I knew from you know, just I, I didn't I didn't like read up on any spoilers i did watch the trailer of course and we discussed that our last episode and and just knowing um like from comic con and stuff that we had some new characters and stuff coming in and i knew that he was one of them um so i was completely thrilled i mean we've got winona Ryder already which is you know she's huge from the late 80s and the 90s and does such a great job in this show and then sean astin who who's had a a pretty similar career you know he was really he was a kid actor i mean goonies hello you know kid actor and then you know has has lord of the rings i mean holy hell um he was rudy okay well that's a guy okay i'm not gonna say it i'm not gonna say it (laughs) i've never seen that i just know it's always like if you're a big sports fan they're always like oh my god rudy is the movie you have to watch i cry like a baby you know, I hear the same exact thing, and I've never seen it either. Yeah. Don't, don't tell anybody. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I've never – and I won't call it a guy movie. I was going to say it's a guy movie. I shouldn't say that. I think it is. But, it's um, kind of, yeah, it kind of is. I mean, I love sports, but, you know, those movies don't do it for me. Like, you know, some people really freak out about them. But, yeah, he's he's had a great career. He's been around a long time. Um, I, he's, he's a little goofy, <laughs> you know, and I like that. Um, and I thought it was um, – funny to kind of see him and Winona Ryder, these two like big icons. They've both had great um, careers. They've been around a long time. Um, and to see them making out and see them as a couple, I, I didn't know that was really coming. I knew he was going to be in the show. I didn't really know who he was going to be or that he was going to be involved with Joyce. Um, he seems like so lighthearted because like Joyce, when we saw her so much in the last season, she was frantic. She was yeah like over the edge. She was, you know, high strung. A lot of people thought she was bananas. Uh, you know, not even with, with, not even the fact with Will missing, people just thought she was bananas and an oddball and, and kind of off her, her rocker. And then when Will, you know, went missing and that just seemed to have escalated it. So you know, he seems like, and she seems pretty, pretty good now. She still seems kind of on edge about some things, but he seems really lighthearted, carefree, easygoing that he can kind of handle her. He's a good counterbalance, I think, um, to, to her personality. And I really thought, you know, he was super sweet, um, you know, to her and just, just sweet. And I, I really like that. So it was, it's kind of, I don't have a whole lot to say on that. I probably have something in my notes, uh, for later, just little tidbits, but, um, that that was mine. As Joyce has a man. Yeah, I thought he was. I mean, I always hate whenever you see. I don't hate, I guess, but it always seems like whenever you see characters like that, he seems kind of naive. He seems like a good guy. Mm-hmm. He just is kind of a goober, you know. Like <laughs> you know when they're yeah. they're doing movie night. So she's obviously with him with the kids. Like the kids know who he is. Yeah. And uh, Jonathan picks out movies, and he walks in the room because they're talking about Kenny Rogers. You know, it's like, well, who likes Kenny Rogers? <laughs> And he comes in, he's like, oh, I love Kenny Rogers. Kenny Rogers. It's and he walks, walks up, looks at the movie, he's like, oh, yeah, Mr. Mom. Mr. Mom. <laughs> Which you could have blew Bob's mind back then, be like, hey, you know that guy who plays Mr. Mom? He's going to be Batman. 
and people are going to be pissed. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, the note I had on this, like, when he walk, first walked in, and he's asking about the pumpkin, and she's like, oh, well, you, know, you need to go back across the street and go back to work, or, or she's going to get fired. He's like, oh, well, good, then I could hire you. I'm like, huh, Joyce is screwing the competition. All right. <laughs> and she's got something going on. It's, it's good to see she's still got her job, though, after last uh, last season where That's she's a good point, like, yeah. buying all the phones and, and buying out all the Christmas lights and asking for an advance on her paycheck. At least we know she's still employed. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, it's it's cute to see those guys together and but the thing is, you know, whenever you see like these good guy like goober good guys, it always seems like later on in in episodes or in the story, mm-hmm. they become creeps. Mm-hmm. And I hope they don't do that with here cuz that always feels like a big trope. You know, it's like, oh, this guy is, you know, he's he's a good guy up front, he's sweet and nice. Oh, but you know, then he's going to start being like, "Oh, Jonathan, you need to go to military school and you know, uh, Will, you need to buck up and stop being a little pansy boy. You know, I I hope they don't take it that direction, but, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. I totally agree. I was thinking the same thing as I was, as I was watching it because I was like, he just seems too, like, adorably goofy. He seems too nice, too, too good to be true. Um, is he really what we perceive him to be? Is he really a jerk? And, you know, he's he's acting or is some, or like you said, will something reveal itself later? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I thought the same thing, and I, and I, I'm like you. I hope that doesn't happen. I remember thinking that I was like, oh, just let him just be, you know, so adorable and and carefree and kind of naive, you know, a little bit. Um, there, because so there's hope. people like that in this world that just they're just naive. Like you said, they're like, oh yeah, there's this upside down world. Oh okay, well let's go watch Mr. Mom again. It was funny. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good, but you know, I don't know. I I don't want to think that, but I'm I'm such a skeptic, and I'm so used to like things happening when I don't want them to, and and trying to just expect the unexpected. That um, because as we see, and as I'm sure we'll cover in the rest of, of our discussion, is things are not what they seem in this in this uh, season and episode so far. So, but I hope not. I hope he's. I hope he's. I hope he is what he is, <laughs> not mm. something else. So, that's. That's really good. What, what's your number four? So my number four is, so there's a lot of trust uh, questions and trust issues in this episode, and I guess probably maybe the theme of the season. Mm-hmm. And one of them I think that is preying on this is Maury Bowman. He is the gentleman who shows up at Hop's office, um, basically saying that there's a Russian conspiracy and that there is, uh, you know, Russians are going to attack. And they're kind of talking about, like, I guess this is, like, some kind of guy that writes, like, the... Uh, you know, like when you go to the grocery store and you see the thing, there's like, Bat Boy comes from cave and eats 300 cows. <laughs> Weekly World News, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It seems like he writes those kinds of things. So he's done it on aliens, it sounds like, because one of the guys asked about his butt probing aliens. Yeah, even Dewey. <laughs> yeah, and I love, too, because, you know, he starts going into like, oh, I've got, you know, I've got proof and evidence this time. Like somebody's saying there's a Russian girl that has a shaved head that's been in here and she has psychic powers. And Huey or Dewey, I don't remember which one. He's like, you mean like the girl that made the boy pee his pants? And Hop jumps right. He's like, that was a prank. And, he, you know, Huey keeps going. He's like, I, 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 my office. Let's go talk to my office. You got five minutes. And, you know, you, you think nothing of it. You think this is just some dude that's, you know, trying to write a story for, like, that World Weekly. No, like, bearing on this, you know, this town at all. But later on we find out that he is suckering Barb's parents. I'd say suckering because I... I I don't know if he's doing it other than the movie. This seems like a snake salesman to me. 
He's going in, and basically they're selling their house to pay him to investigate Barb and try and figure out what happened to her. And, you know, he is just basically, you know, feeding off of other people's pain at this point to make a financial gain, it seems. Yeah, I, I didn't know quite what to think about that feller. Um, but I, I thought it was real interesting, you know, hop shutting, you know, the the two deputies, whatever they're called, Huey and Dewey, um, about the, well, that was just a prank, you know, totally shutting down, um, talking about Eleven making Troy pee himself. Um, I, I don't know what to make of all of that, but it was... It seemed like he was getting back into, like, a hopper of this episode, at least here in the beginning, and we see this scene was a lot like the hopper that we were introduced to in the first episode of season yeah, one. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, he's he's still, you know, the whole coffee and contemplation. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> he goes for attitude. the donut, and the receptionist gives him an apple. He takes, yep. like, two bites of it and throws it away. I know. She's taking the cigarette out of his mouth, and, and he seemed, he just seemed like he's just, coming in, doing his job, doesn't want to be, you know, just same as when Joyce comes in, all hysterical. It's, I think that was a really interesting parallel between the first episodes of each Oh, no, season. yeah, good call. Was, you know, that's how that, that one kind of started. We see, you know, Hopper, we're introduced to him, and he's just kind of coming in like, ugh, you know, another day, and, you know, got someone stealing the, the garden gnomes, um, and... And and Joyce comes in all hysterical because Will is missing, and now in this season he's it, it's kind of similar um, uh, in the feel of of Hopper's attitude, and you've got this you know maniacal person kind of coming in talking some crazy things, and Hopper's just like, all right, you know I'm going to humor you. You've got five minutes, you know. Um, so I thought that was an interesting parallel. I don't quite know what to think about that yet. I'm I'm maybe we'll get to hear more of it. I mean. It certainly wouldn't be, you know, new to the area, all this weird stuff going on. Um, well, but it's I think... like, but it's like, how much do people really know? Because Hopper seems to be shutting people down about what really happened. Yeah. So. Well, I think that's kind of, I mean, we learn later in this episode probably why he's doing that. Because he goes out to his home, mm-hmm. his new home, and you figure out somebody's staying with him. I, I won't spoil it yet because I'm sure that might be a, one of our numbers. But, you know. As they're talking about the girl, he shuts him down, says, okay, in my office, because he's, I think he's trying to lead him to a different direction. Like, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, you're just silly. You know, just go home. Just mm-hmm. do your alien story. I liked your alien story better. Let's ignore this thing and do something else. Exactly. Let's not talk anymore about strange children with weird powers or anything exactly, like yeah. that. Let's, he's trying to, like, divert him and get his focus back on on these other things. Because so. we, don't, we don't know what he had discussions with the government because, I mean, obviously no. there was something there, so... Yeah. He does not want anybody bringing any light on on him at all in this. Yeah, know, he wants it to sweep it all under the rug and just have nobody from the government like think twice about him. Exactly. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. But yeah, um, that's that's just my number four is Maury Bowman. I'm curious what he's going to play in this season. Yeah, I'm I'm curious to see too. I think it just opens up. It's like you know, it's like we we talk about a lot. We get questions and then some answers and then more questions. That, that evolve out of those answers. So just more and more keeps going. So that's a really good number four. Um, my number three uh, is Will. Uh, so we, we, we have Will. He's back. Uh, he's kind of dealing with what happened to him last year. Poor kid is, you know, he's... <laughs> He's getting teased. He's getting yeah. weird looks. Um, he's still having visions of the Upside Down. You mentioned earlier the arcade. 
um, you know, as they're bantering back and forth with the the creeper with the cheetahs about dating, <laughs> getting a date with Nancy, you know, what do you Will, make like two fifty an hour? Come on, <laughs> those kids! I just love those kids so much. <laughs> they're so adorable together. Um, I don't know if you caught it, but when uh, Dustin's like, "Oh, he's going to spread that nasty rash to your whole family," <laughs> he's like, "It's acne. It's not contagious. <laughs> it's not contagious." <laughs> Oh my gosh, you just can't get any better than these kids and their um their little quips and comebacks. Uh they're so awesome. Um but you know, poor Will, he's something's wrong. He turns he hears something, he turns around. Everyone is gone cuz the, the arcade looks pretty crowded. It looks like it's a, you know, it's t- lots of people and the, you know, there's stuff happening in the town, but all that's gone and he's seeing the upside down again, which looks even more creepy, I think, than what it did, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. the first season. Um, it looks really disturbing. You know, there's this weird, like, storm thing happening in the sky. It's red and cloudy, and there's lightning, and it just looks really ominous and scary as hell. And he's freaking out because, you know, obviously there's people around, then he turns around and there's no one, and he's, you know, yelling for them, and no one's around, no one's answering. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, uh, Mike pops out the, the door and, it's like, you know, hey, are you okay? And poor Will, he's just like, oh, you know, yeah, sure. Um, but he's, you know, something's going on. And it, 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 he looked scared, but it didn't look like the first time that that had happened to him. So um, obviously, I think that the, the, he's had these occurrences. And just the fact that he's still not over this, that something in the Upside Down still has uh, like an attachment to him or he's still traumatized by it. He's getting teased about what happened uh, with his disappearance. People are calling him Zombie Kid, um, mm. the paper clipping that he found. Um, he gets these weird looks as he's walking down the hall. You know, Joyce comes to pick him up, and she's taking him in for this exam. And when they get there, Hopper's there to meet them. So I think, you know, what the hell is going on? Um, but, you know, he's obviously having these regular exams and talking about what's happening, um, which I'm I'm interested to hear more about you know, this new, like, administration that's come in after Dr. Brenner's um, disaster. Because it looks like it's the same facility that it was before um, that we saw a lot of. So it's like, you know, and it could be different. And it looks like they were on a long drive um, uh, whenever um, Joyce and and Will were were in the car. It looked like a longer drive than what that facility was, but it was hard to tell. So I don't know the time frame. Um, But, you know, they're, they're, Checking, checking Will out, talking to him about it. Um, but I did, I did like, you know, later on in the episode, Will is in his room and he's, you know, he draws a lot. We saw that in season one. He, he, he always had all these drawings and he's drawing this zombie boy and Jonathan comes in and I love Jonathan and Will's relationship so much that Jonathan, you know, cause he's like, he, Will tells him, he's like, I'm a freak. And Jonathan's like, well, yeah, you are. <laughs> Will's like, you know what? Um, but he's like, it's cool to be a freak. And he's like, boring is normal. And I love that so much because that's what I like tell my kid all the time um, that, you know, I mean, she doesn't really call herself a freak or anything, but I'm like, boring, you know, normal is boring. Um, it's, it's, it's fun to be a freak. No, no boring person ever did anything cool or made a difference in the world or made us, you know, made an impact on the world. And I just, I love their relationship so much um, that Jonathan and Will have, and he's trying to make him feel better, you know, about um, the situation and people making fun of him and that he's actually, you know, the cool one, not, not them. Um, so that's, that's my number three is Will. 
and um, and him dealing with everything that's going on. I just you know I really feel for that kid and everything he's been through. Yeah, I really like so Joyce. I know you mentioned a little bit earlier, but when Joyce is picking him up and dropping him off, she seems a little bit more calm. Mm-hmm. Like she definitely was like, hey, you know, I'm gonna be here right at nine. You know, make sure you don't go anywhere. Like it seems like they have a little bit more of a rules in place of not like kind of wandering. Yeah. So she, at least she seems a little bit more calm from that aspect. But the thing I find interesting with with Will was when he, and this is actually my number one. Um, but when Will was, you know, talking to the doctor, you know, for one, the doctor seemed a lot more like an actual doctor. Like, you know, he's like, Hey, you know, so what kind of, like, you, know, you lost a pound since the last time you came in here, making room for that candy. Right. Very much like bedside manner, like it was a lot better. It seemed than Dr. Brenner's. Mm-hmm. And, but as he's talking about, Will is talking about, you know, going between worlds. He's like, well, I saw this thing and I was like frozen, like, you know, frozen, scared. And, you know, he says, like, okay, well, did it want to hurt you? He's like, well, no, it didn't want to hurt me. Like, it was evil. It didn't want to hurt me, though, but it it wanted to hurt everybody else. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know if, like, him being in the upside down for as long as he was has kind of, like, basically made him part of, like, the upside down club. Like, you know, they're going to have their own TV show and, you know, their own (laughs) song. And, you know, it's like, U-P-S-I-D-E, we're in the upside down and we're going to eat everybody. Special club. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, the, the kids seem super brave. And I know it's, I mean, I, I, I there's, I can even imagine, like, being, you know, if I have my own funeral where I die and then come back and, be, you know, like, kids obviously are mean. And they're going to be even meaner at that because, I like, know. okay, you are a freak. I know. It's such a, a horrible time in school, too, because kids, kids are mean anyway, but, like, like, the age that they're at, it's horrible. Oh, yeah. You don't want to stand out. You don't want to be... I mean, it's it, not that there's anything wrong with it, but you don't want to be the weirdo. You don't want to be the freak because, you know, that's not like a cool time. You don't appreciate being a freak until you're a little bit older. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, like you being un- like everybody always says, like, be yourself, be unique. Not in grade school and high school, because no. if you're unique and you're different, you know, that's going to you're going to get pegged real hard. It's kind of like Jonathan. Mm-hmm. You know, you see as he was walking out, like the girl purposely seemed to skip giving him one of the invites to the uh, get sheet faced party. Yep. And, you know, Nancy, you know, being a great friend of his, you know, gets a second one and gives it to me like, hey, you're coming to this with us. Yeah, he wasn't easy. That's for sure. Um, For, you know, to to have to go through what, what he's been through, because, yeah, I mean, I mean, from the from the outside of everything, everything has like been covered up and and but everybody knows that like Will, you know, they had a funeral for for Will. Um, so, and then he comes back and, but comes back from where, and I think that's why he's being targeted as like a zombie kid. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm curious to know exactly how that got explained. Um, that where did this body come from? How did they have this funeral? But then all of a sudden he's back to life. Um, and nobody knows the real story because they're still covering it up. So, you know, yeah, he's getting all these weird looks and, and getting teased. And, and then on top of everything else, he's dealing with, PTSD from yeah. being an upside down and it still got a hold on him. Not only is he, cause even if I think he wasn't having these episodes that they call them, you know, um, it's not just episodes and PTSD. It's still got a hold on him. And, and even if he wasn't still having these episodes, hell yeah, he'd have PTSD. He was stuck in this place for like mm-hmm. a week, you know, all alone being chased by this horrible creature, you know, can't get home scared. I mean, I'm an adult and I would, <laughs> I don't think I'd be handling it as well as well. And I wonder if, if it's not like, I know like it's, I wonder with him if, if 
the doctor is telling Joyce and Hopper that it's PTSD when it's really actually he's actually going into these places. Mm-hmm. So like, oh, well, you know, he's you know, he thinks he's going there. He's really not. But these scientists and everything are working for the government like, oh, shit, like he's this is actually happening. Yeah, it's it's like it's it's still seeping. You know, the upside down is still seeping into our world. It's not contained at all, and and something is still happening. Um, and and when we thought it was over, it wasn't over. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you see that with that dude that went in there with the flamethrower. Yeah, yeah, something's happening. Um, cool. Well, good number three. Yeah, that was my number yeah. one. Was Will? And like, I hope awesome. he's a big part of this season because we didn't see much of him last season. Uh huh. But I hope he's a pretty pivotal point in this one. Right. Yeah, I hope so too. I hope so too. I'd like to see he does. A, he's done a really great job in this um, episode so far. So I'm interested to see more of him as well. What's your number three? So my number three is the new girl on campus, Mad Max. Yahoo! So she we see her show up. Yeah, she's a pretty badass girl. Like she skateboards, <laughs> so she's awesome, right? Yeah. I love that she walks into class and uh, the teacher has Dustin do a drum roll, and she's like, "It's our new friend, all the way from sunny California," because. This is probably more back in the time, too, like in the Midwest. Like, people from California or the East Coast were like these unicorn-type things. Like, it's like, oh, my God, you're from California? Yeah, Like, absolutely. what's that like? <laughs> exactly. And, you know, because the world seems to have gotten a lot smaller in, in you know, this, our genera- or this generation now. Like, after, you know, like, social media and the Internet and everything. Like, you know, you want to see what California looks like? Just type in Google and you'll see it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, back then it's like, oh, we just saw it from textbooks that were 30 years old when I was looking at it. But she, <laughs> she comes in, drum roll, like Maxine. is like, it's Max. Everybody calls me Max. So she's she's got a badass attitude. Um, her brother, like I loved when he rolled in in his Camaro with his jean jacket, smoking mm-hmm. a cigarette, long hair. All the girls like, mm, who's that boy from California? <laughs> Look at that booty. Um, and you don't really see much from him except he's blaring like, you know, 80s hair band music. Which yeah. is kind of the thing, like, that music's not, like, I don't really associate that with badassness now, but I'm sure back then it was. And, and like, uh-huh. seeing this makes me nervous for, like, where I'm at in my life now, because, like, <laughs> if I pop in my high school CD, I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, let's rock out some of this. <laughs> you know, all the kids that see me drive by is like, oh, look at that old man trying to relive his glory days. Like, I'm at that point now in my life. Uh-huh. I'm an old man. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and I don't like it. <laughs> no, no. Uh, but the cool thing is, so they're they're investing, like they're spying on her. The group's spying on her. And it's like that can't be Mad Max. Like that cannot. Like girls don't play video games. Like they oh. do not play video games. Yeah, that line. Oof. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's uh, back then. It was like what girls played with dolls. That's pretty much all it was. Is kind of yeah. the idea. Um, I'm, I'm glad we're past all that now. It's like you know, gamer girls are like it's not really gamer girls and gamer boys anymore. It's just gamers. Gamer. You know. Yeah. Um, but it was pretty cool, like, that they're investigating, and she knew it, like, they knew that she was spying on them. So, she's definitely still a very mysterious character, um, but I love that this whole, like, new person, and, like, it, you know, is this a new person to their group, too? That's something that I'm kind of wanting to see happen. hmm Yeah, good points. Um, that, and, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that, because that's actually my number one, are these new kids in town. Uh, so we've got some, you know, fresh blood uh, in Hawkins, and it's in the form of this super hot high school guy, which I, I, I might get in trouble for saying that. I definitely. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, so you're talking about it's tough to tell age. So Nancy plays like a 16-year-old, and 
when I was looking through all the bios of the characters, she's actually like 22. So it's that whole like thing of like, oh, you're playing a high school student, but you're, you know, super yeah. old. So this guy could be like 40 playing yeah, this I high school kid. <laughs> You well, know. <laughs> give him my number. But. <laughs> well, you remember 90210, like, uh, oh, I can't remember what his name was. Oh, he, yeah, Steve. I can't, Ian, was it Ian? Zier, the, Ian yeah, there was Zierin. him. And um, then Gabriel Carteris was like 32 or something playing a 16-year-old. Well, and there's the real big character from that show. who He lived by himself in the show, but he was in like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and a bunch of other t- movies. Um, oh, what was his um, name? He played Dylan McKay. What was it? Luke? Luke? Luke, Luke yeah. Perry. Luke Perry, yeah. You know, he was like 35 when that show was going on. Yeah. They were all in like their 20s and 30s. I think the only <laughs> one that was actually the almost actual age was Shannon Dotery. I think she was actually closer in age to her character than all the others. There. Which is ridiculous because like when you're like 12 watching, like, oh, that's what I'm going to look like in high school. I'm going to have a full <laughs> beard and gray hair. I'm going to look 30 <laughs> whenever I'm in high uh, school. That's funny. I know. Yeah, I'll have to. I'll have to check this out because I'm afraid I was going to get in a little bit of trouble for thinking that this uh, high school kid uh, <laughs> was certainly something to look at. And uh, it's it was hilarious because it's, he's he was totally the guy that I would have went for back in my day. I mean, he had me at that car. Um, oh yeah, the Camaro rolling in. Oh my gosh, that was that was my car. Uh, you know, and that would have done it for me. And then he's got the scorpions blasting, you know, in his speakers. Uh, that was, you know, scorpions was not like a number one band for me, but that was a really good song. I like the song. I appreciated that. Um, but here he comes rolling in. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That was definitely the type of guy I'd have been, uh, scoping out. I would have been one of those girls leaning on that car going, who's this new kid? I got dibs, you know, y'all back <laughs> Back off, um, yeah. Jean this, jacket's mine, bitches. <laughs> yeah, lay off that jean jacket. He's he's mine. Um, the hair not so great, and it wasn't just because it was like kind of like the mullet style from back in the day. I know that was like the popular thing, but it looked a little fakey. You uh, know, yeah. I know obviously this kid has not grown his own mullet like Josh McDermott from The Walking Dead, um, but maybe he should consider it because uh, that was not a good look. Um, or the hair, it just looked a little, little off. So I wish they could improve, like some of the the wigs or hair pieces or whatever it is that they use for for characters who don't have the actual hair that they need. Um, but the hair was a little bit off. But I can I can look past that. Um, we did not get to see a lot of him. We just caught caught glimpses of him, but we did get to you know uh, meet this girl a little bit more. I loved the introduction. You mentioned it a little bit. The uh, Mr. Clark and his adorable dorkiness. I'm glad that is still there. Mm-hmm. Um, and he he it's I thought it was really funny when he's like you know he's all smiles and he's his you know funny Mr. Clark and says that she's from sunny Cal- California. This girl does not look sunny at all. She, yeah. she's just like she looks very goth. She is. She's a little bit, um, a little bit emo before it was, you know, before there was emo. But the boys are absolutely fascinated with her. You know, she can skate or skateboard, which makes her super cool. They find out that she is the Mad Max from the video games, and and you saying, you know, Will's like girls can't play video games. I beg to differ, young Will, uh, because I did play video games in my day, and my name was on those uh, high score lists, so um, I'll just have to argue with that a little bit. But uh, it seems like they, they kind of come around and say, wow, she's a pretty cool chick, so I'm interested to know as well if she's going to become a part of their group, and instead of the boys, there will be a girl in there, because I love that. I mean, that was totally I, – I felt that real connection with Max because I felt like, well, that was me. I was the oddball 
you know, in, in class, you know, you had all like the girly girls. And then I was like the tomboy, tomboy nerd that liked to play video games. I liked to skateboard. I liked to do the things that, you know, wasn't like a typical girl, you know, kind of thing to do. So I, I have feel a connection with her already. I love her already. And, uh, I really like her older brother. So <laughs> that's awesome. Do you have anything else to say about that? Uh, nope. That's, uh, See, that was, oh, yeah, so that was uh, Mad Max. Yeah, so pretty much all I had on there. Awesome. Yeah, Mad Max. What a great reference, too, to the movie, right? To the yeah, that's, movie. I was expecting it to be something related to that, like some apocalyptic type thing, but no, it's just badass chick. Just, yeah, she's awesome. I love it. I love it. Awesome. Well, num- my number two, um, you know, he, it's a theme in all of my uh, points whenever I'm talking in, about all the episodes is Hopper. Mm. <laughs> I can't let this go without talking about Hopper a little bit. And I know we've talked a lot about him, so I'm, I may end up repeating myself, and I'll try not to. And some, um, since you've already talked about him earlier, uh, we, we talked about, you know, how quick he was to cover up the fact that Eleven, you know, oh, this girl made that bully pee himself, and he was quick to, you know, look over and go, that was a prank, and, like, shut it down really quick. Um, when he's out there investigating the the pumpkins that are, are all rotted, um, which that was gross, um, all those rotten pumpkins out in the field, that, that just looked nasty. Yeah, um, it just happened in, like, one morning, too, so, like, they're perfect yeah. one day, then just, like, fly rotten the next. Yeah, I mean, what, I mean, nothing happens that fast, you know, I've never seen anything, um, at least, uh, that wasn't of some sort of strange phenomenon that, you know, that happens so quickly overnight, so, you know, we see him out there, but then he goes out into the cornfield next to the pumpkin patch, and he looks spooked, you know, you would think that Hopper would be, you know, maybe not quite as on edge, or maybe, maybe he is even more on edge because of what happened, but he's, he just seemed a little bit more spooked than what I anticipated him to be. Like he brings out his gun. I feel pretty Mm -hmm. early and, and he, he seems just jumpy and, and scared of what's actually out there. Um, or, you know, this noise that he's heard, um, and just comes upon this, uh, scarecrow out there. So I thought that was kind of interesting that he just, seemed really on edge and maybe it's because of everything that he's been through is why he was so spooked but he just seems so um like well i've I've done and seen it all i've been in the upside down what the hell can spook me now you know i was kind of expecting that kind of attitude um when they were talking about how ted had denied that 11 stayed in the basement when they were talking about um Oh, he was talking to that guy in his office about that. I thought, fucking Ted, you know, yeah. <laughs> this is BS. Here we got more of his crap. That's not going away, apparently, anytime soon. <laughs> uh, you know? And then, you know, we see Barb, we see um, Steve and Nancy go to Barb's parents' house. And apparently this is like a, a regular thing that they do. And, you know, Barb Barb's parents still think that she's missing. And it's like, so they're still, Hopper is still working on on keeping all of this covered up. And I guess that's part of what we saw the last episode of season one, whenever he's going off with the government and this deal that he made them that, you know, this never happened. All we want to do is find Will. You're going to let us find him and you're going to let us go. And we're not going to talk about this. And he tells, you know, he was telling Joyce the same thing as he's so stoically walking down the hall when they're getting ready to get suited up to go into the upside down and look for Will, that that's what he was telling her. He's like, this never happened. Um, Mm -hmm. And it, it, Apparently, you know, now she's in on it, too. She's going along with the whole thing. And it's just it's it, it was kind of sad. I felt really sad for Barb's parents um, yeah. thinking that they still think that she's missing and they've hired this this person to find her. And they're even selling their house to be able to afford to do it. 
Um, when Joyce have- like knows the truth and she can't tell them, I like know. that's got to be like, you know, somebody's giving up all their life savings to basically try and figure out something that you already know. Yeah, and I mean, and and she knows what that's like. I mean, she she will will was missing, you know, and uh, so she she knows what these parents are going through, and she knows the truth. Hopper knows the truth, and it, it's it's like seeing the extreme that they're going th- going for to to keep this covered up. That they they've gone so far as to, you know, let them believe that that she's still missing and not dead, as we know her to be. Um, just sad. They had that little shrine in their house. Um, you know, to her, they even had a picture in the bathroom, which I found weird. I don't, yeah, that was kind of weird. I don't want pictures of people in the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'll take showers ba- in there, people, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Bathroom's private time. Like, I don't, yeah, want, I don't want somebody's creepy picture staring at me and judging me. Yeah. Like, oh, hey, Sean, I see you've put on a little extra weight. Exactly. No no judgment, you know, as we're <laughs> – <laughs> no judgment of when we're in the bathroom and taking showers and, you know – don't look at me. I want to see like a, I like a nice beachy theme in the bathroom. Yeah, you know, let's keep yeah. it calm. Let's keep it serene. It's like I'm on my own private nude beach. That's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then we see at the end, as far as how how far that Hopper has gone to cover up. Um, and this, I hope this isn't creeping into anything. It might already be because it was a real big ass moment. But I'm gonna just go ahead and go there as far as how far Hopper's covering this up. But who is he covering it up for? Is who do we see at the end when he, like you said, he goes to the house and is it his new house? Um, you know, we see him. He looks pretty comfortable there, and we see a little surprise mm-hmm. person from last season, and that would be Eleven. Uh, and I, I remember, I remember being very excited. I didn't know that she was coming back so soon. So to see her was super awesome. They obviously have a relationship, but um, who, who is he, he? We know that he's covering up everything that happened in the first season, you know, with the experiments and with 11 and what happened and what happened with Will and what happened to Barb. Um, but I think he's also covering up the fact that 11, because I, I think that mm-hmm. they would be very interested to have 11 back if they knew that she was there. But how, how long has this been going on? You know, we saw him in last season. He's leaving the egos and the food out in that little box in the woods. Well, that so would have been Christmas time, so like maybe a week or two after um, the events happened where she blew up the demigorgon. So, I mean, right. it's realistic to think that this has probably been going on since the first of the year. So, I mean, you know, 10, 10 months maybe? I yeah. mean, I think you could easily say it's been going on that long. Yeah, so... <sighs> Cause I, and it was, pr- I mean, like you, like when he was walking out there, I was expecting like he was going to go and interview or investigate some like, you know, conspiracy theory type guy that he knows, but no, he's got like traps set up so that if somebody walks over, there's a trip line. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a special knock on the door, mm-hmm. and then I think if it's the right knock, then L would open it. Otherwise, there's probably some kind of rule or some kind of you know procedure that if if somebody you know doesn't knock like this, you run or do something. Right. Um, I love that her dessert was egos, <laughs> and he's like, "What did we eggos. say?" <laughs> it's like you weren't here by eight one five, and you didn't give the sign. He's like, "Well, it's eight fifteen. You know, I'm sorry, I got caught up in some stuff, but you know, the rule is no dessert until after dinner." I thought that was so sweet. How he's, um, and it just occurred to me this sweet relationship that he's got with Eleven. You know, he seemed, you know, once he discovered her um, in in the last season, you know, he seemed protective over her. And it's it's sweet to see how he's kind of taken her in. You know, he he lost his own daughter, mm-hmm. and you know we saw how that came about in in the last season, and and to see how he's kind of taken Eleven in, 
and she has a you know it's it's sweet because we saw her relationship with Dr. Brenner and she called him papa and you know how you know obviously he was not like a real papa to her you don't treat your children that way you know and he didn't really love her or care for her she seemed more like a possession uh than than you know a, a person to him and to see how she now has this relationship with Hopper I love because I think that he needs that and she needs that based on their past experiences but I don't know how Hopper isn't drinking himself into a grave with all the shit that he's having to keep covered up I mean it seems like that would keep me on a high stress level at all times thinking he's got 11 hiding out over here and he can't tell anyone about and he's got to keep her safe um and no one can really know his whereabouts and what he's doing and he's got to keep it quiet now he's got all this upside down stuff that he's covering up you know along with Joyce and it's like I don't know how that dude's keeping it together well, I think it all goes back to just him having purpose. Like when we first see him, he's drunk in a stupor, mm-hmm. but he, he doesn't have any purpose. Like his his biggest failure was the fact that, or the biggest failure to him anyway, I think, is that his daughter passed away. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't do anything about it. Exactly. But once, you know, the whole thing with Will became more of a real issue, like he kind of seemed to go back into like, okay, I'm Hopper, the detective slash, you know, father guy. And, you know, if if he didn't find Eleven... I think maybe he would have fallen back into that, but Eleven's still giving him purpose, like giving mm-hmm. him a reason to you know stay sharp and to you know go on with his normal persona. But he has like this person he's trying to protect. So I think that's kind of probably why we haven't seen him drop into that. If something happens to L or something happens to any of the people that he's caring for, mm-hmm. then like yeah, that's where we're basically you know a full season of him slowly deteriorating. Yeah, yeah, you make a really good point because even though we saw in the beginning of this episode a lot of similarities um, kind of with his almost similar attitude that he had when we first met him in the um, season opener of the first season, um, you know, we saw him wake up to like all these beer cans, you know, all over the place. So obviously he drinks quite frequently and pill bottles knocked over. We didn't see that this time. You know, we didn't see that he's still continuing with the drinking and and whatever pills that he was taking. you know, he he seems to be carrying the same attitude, so it can be just like status quo. You know, yep, it's just me, same old Hopper, you know, just doing my thing. Um, but in reality, you can tell that he's, yeah, like you said, he, he does seem more like a man with a purpose and uh, a man on a mission. Um, and the mission is keeping those things covered up and also being protective of, of Eleven. Um, so that's... That's my number two is Hopper, because I always have to talk about Hopper in some capacity when we're talking about this show. <laughs> That's it. What's what's your number two? So my number two, it seems like I, I wrote it down one because I'm like, okay, I think there's one of these. But in the end, I found three, and it is the love triangles going on in this season. Mm-hmm. So one, we have Steve, Jonathan, and Nancy. You know, whenever uh, Nancy gives him the the flyer, Jonathan or gives Jonathan the flyer. Steve comes around the corner, picks her up, and they start making out at her locker. And Jonathan kind of slowly walks away. And Nancy gives him that longing glare, like, oh, if only Steve, too. Like, let's just, can we make this work, Jonathan? Like, just the three of us. Oh, gosh. Um, There was some jealousy, I think, from Hop. So that makes me think that Hop, Joyce, and Bob the Brain might be a little bit of a love triangle. Mm. So as they were walking in, um, uh, Hopper kind of says, well, so how's uh, Bob the Brain doing? And she kind of <laughs> got on him. Um, but it seemed like he was a little jealous there. And then the one that I'm probably most excited about is Mad Max, Dustin, and Lucas. Mm. 
So as they're sitting there watching for her to get to the arcade, you know, Lucas is like, hey, Dustin, go ahead and go home. Like, you said your mom's going to kill you. Like, I'll stay here and I'll raid you when she gets here. <laughs> Dustin's like, why? So you can make your move? And he's like, well, I think I probably have a better chance than you. And this is the other thing I love about Dustin this episode. He's like, oh, well, not without these pearlies I have now. Arr, and he does a little, I like, know. growl. And he is so <laughs> excited about having front teeth in this I season. Know. But I'm curious if where all these are going to go or if we're going to find more of them. But I love the idea of these love triangles going on. And they're mm-hmm. not, like, super, like, violent ones, it seems. It's just, like, you know, competition on a couple and then kind of, like, oh, well, if only some other cards had happened, maybe the other guy would win. Exactly. So my number two is the love triangles. There, There's still some, you know, not just all the weird stuff happening um, around, but, you know, you get some, like, normal stuff that, that still yeah. happens, you know, in life as far as, you know, the, the competition between the boys and the new girl in school. Um, and, and, yeah, Nancy and Steve are still together, and, you know, Jonathan probably still has a thing for her, but realizes that it's not going to happen or anything. Um, so he's still, you know... I think content at least to be friends with her because it's more than what he had in the first season or at mm-hmm. least in the beginning of the season, they seem to develop a, a good friendship as they were, you know, monster hunting and everything that they were doing in the last season. Um, so I think he's somewhat content because he still at least gets to be around her. If he can't be with her, he still can be friends with her and, you know, they get to, you know, laugh and be playful, you know, at school and in the hallways and stuff. Um, even though she's with Steve, um, is he still Steve the D Right now, Sean, has he, um, he seems like a, a good guy in this episode so far. Yeah, I've got it. I've So I've been coining him a lot of different things. I do have a note for him, and I'm calling him Steve the Adult. Oh. So he talks, you know, as they're in the car, he's talking about, it's like, hey, you know, like, I guess he's doing some kind of resume for a college, mm-hmm. and where he compares, like, him winning a basketball game to his granddad being in a war. Um, and I love that, like, Nancy's like, okay, well, what's the, what's the connection? It's like, uh, well, we both won. <laughs> Like, oh, yeah, great job. But he talks about working for his dad. He talks about, like, you know, gives you insurance and adult stuff. And it allows him to stick around Hawkins to make sure that she doesn't forget his pretty face. Oh, and that hair. Oh, yeah. And that's kind of a tough thing. Like, I know there's always, like, high school love. Mm. And, like, it's like, oh, I'm going to stick around here, you know, because I'm not going to go to that college that I probably should go to. I'm going to stick around here to be with you. And, you know, you kind of, like, you don't want to be like, well, you know, you should do what's best for you because high school relationships don't always work out. Uh-huh. Um, but, I mean, what are you going to do? Love makes guys do stupid things, really, is kind of the key to it. That's for sure. Makes us all do stupid things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought I thought that was interesting. It was. I was glad to see that he still um, seems to be a pretty good guy that it's carried over, that he seems to have a change. I didn't see his... Um, asshole friends yeah that's true in the in the picture uh whenever they were you know at any time that we saw steve or nancy you know in in school so i don't know if he's still friends with them or if he's realized that he's not that person maybe maybe he had quite an awakening with everything that happened last season and he's really not that person and you know doesn't want to be around that type of influence but i thought it was interesting and i'm you know interested to see if it still stays that way and what develops um if if like you said these love triangles if if they do become more of a love triangle um, and, you know, Jonathan tries to, you know, be more than a friend to Nancy or she tries to be more than a friend to him or, you know, what happens with that. And if he still stays 
uh, you know, a cool guy because I'm willing to give him a chance. You know, people mm -hmm. people can be assholes. You know, there are lots of people I know that were complete assholes in high school, and then today they're like super nice people. Um, so it can it can happen, but um, you know, I'm I'm interested to see what happens, um, and then how this new new guy is going to be. Uh, oh, how yeah. he's going to factor in. Um, I'm hoping it's not a lot, lot like a love square because yeah. if there's three dudes going for Nancy, <laughs> like that's going to be pretty tough. Yeah, yeah. I don't want it to be that, um, you know, that kind of a thing or for Nancy to be drawn to him. And because if that's true, then she's just attached to uh, bad boys because Steve was a bit of a bad boy. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, there for when a they, while in the beginning. When they settle so. down and become more like good guys, she's like, all right, well, I got to find me some other project to fix. Well, you know, that, that, that's a problem in high school. Let me tell you, you, you always fall for those bad boys that you think that you can make it into a good boy. And, um, those bad boys are just, they're hard to resist. They are hard to resist. So that's but, why I was single in high school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You don't appreciate, uh, some of those fellas until you get older. That's for sure. Um, and you realize, well, why do I fall for all those bad boys? Because they, it just doesn't work out. <laughs> yeah, it's a great point. That's what Joyce is doing right now. Like, her husband was probably a bad boy, married him, and now he's off running. Now she's going to marry the good guy, Bob the Brain, or at least yeah. date him. Yeah, at least dating. Yeah, Bob the Brain. He's definitely good balance for her, that's for sure. That's a really yeah. good number two. So what do you have, have for your number two? Uh, well, we covered my number two with Hopper, so I think we're ready. If you oh, have yeah. anything else on yours, I'll just no. jump into. My number one, we pretty much, I pretty much covered and talked about when you were talking about Mad Max um, and her awesomeness and how I relate to her. And I really, really like her. I'm interested to see. I love how she called the boys out when she dropped that note. When she Yeah, that was pretty cool. Note, and that that was hilarious. Like, stop, stop creeping on me. You know, <laughs> you guys are creeps. Stop I love spying how on me, creeps. <laughs> yeah, and she, she was savvy enough and smart enough to know exactly what those boys were doing. So I love that. I love how she was smart and sharp. And these boys aren't, you know, fooling her at all. Um, just cause she's the new kid and, and I love it. I, I can really relate to her. And of course I've swooned, um, over the boy already, her older brother, <laughs> this new kid that, um, you know, in that cool car. Uh, so I don't have, that was my number one. I don't have any other, um, I don't think thoughts on that. What, what is your number one? Cause I'm, I'm anxious to hear what, what yours is. Yeah. And my number one was just Will too. So we kind of covered a lot on that. Um, you know, again, just to reiterate, like the, that kid is super brave. I mean, if I was, mm -hmm. even if it's just a mental PTSD type thing, instead of actually physically be going back into the upside down, mm -hmm. like as strong as he is, like, I mean, I can only imagine what like a kid like that would be going through to be like, uh, just complete breakdown, but you know, and getting made fun of at school. I mean, at least he has his friends, but even then he's like, they, they treat me like a baby. Um, but yeah. you know, I just hope we see a lot from Will this season because I think he's a really interesting character. I think so too. I'm I'm real anxious. That hopefully, because we did not get a lot of him last season, uh, and I really hope we get a lot more of him. I think he's a really great actor. I think he did a really great job in the short amount of time that we saw him last season. Uh, so I'm I'm real interested to see more of him. So hopefully they will utilize him, and he won't go disappearing again anytime soon, and we get to see him more on the screen. So. 
um, I and, and I know that you brought up earlier just one one point that I had where it's like he's he's not allowed to walk or bike home alone anymore. It's like <laughs> Joyce is so overprotective that she won't even let him. You know, she's picking him up from everywhere. She's dropping him off everywhere at the arcade, picking him up from school. You know, it's like that poor kid. I, I kind of totally get where she's coming from, from a, a parent perspective. Like, you know, that is not happening again. And I, I'm sure it is kind of scary for her because he's still having these, he's having these episodes and she's probably scared out of her mind thinking that something else might happen again. So I don't blame her, but I kind of felt for, you know, thinking from my perspective at that age, you know, being a kid, like sit up, I treat him like a baby and, you know, he's not allowed to kind of do his own thing. Um, so kind of think that's a really good. Number one, did you have any notes? Uh, I've got a few. Um, so let's see. So I, I trust was a big thing. Like I said, I thought about in this episode. So, I don't know if it seems like after the end of the episode, it, it, it made sense. But I was curious if the doctor knows the truth. So as he was talking to Will and everything, like it didn't, I didn't come off when he's first talking to him. But he actually thought there was a real upside down. Like he thought, like, oh, this is a mental thing that he went through. Mm-hmm. But as we see, he's basically the new Doctor Brenner. Like he knows yep. there's the the upside down. He knows where it's at. So he's kind of running this whole facility. Uh, and you know, as Hop was leaving, you know, the doctor comes out and waves, and Hop. Didn't wave back, and I think he's got a whole lot of trust issues with doc- with the new doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, yard sales—they're the killers of kids' <laughs> memories. So you know, I this was uh, at the time where you know parents would be like, "Hey, get rid of all those action figures! Like you don't play with them anymore." No. And then thirty years later, like, "Oh my God, that Hulk I had is worth like three hundred dollars." I know my Castle Gray skull is <laughs> <laughs> gone. <laughs> you know how much money that's worth on eBay? <laughs> uh let's see uh baby demigorgon like it seems like is the thing running around that hop kind of saw and the thing in the trash can like i'm wondering Mm -hmm. if it could be a baby demigorgon which you know it's kind of like a baby crocodiles like they're really really cute when they're babies but then they get big and it's like oh god Uh like you know there's a lot of cats missing in the neighborhood because sparky might pet alligators on the loose Uh uh-huh yeah and let's see i got one more thing about my my favorite character of this tv series but one note I had at the very end when Will was in his house, used the bathroom, was walking out, and the door flipped open. They zoomed up on his back, back of his neck, and you saw his goosebumps. I've never seen that in a TV show or movie or anything that I can think of. I haven't either. I'm glad you brought that up because that was one of my notes too. Wasn't that great? That, that was, effect? yeah. Because like, I was like, oh, are they going to let the hair kind of stand up on the back of his neck like he's scared? But And it kind of did, but it was mostly just the goosebumps. I was like, yeah. oh, like... That's that's really cool. Like that made that moment just that more intense. It did. It yeah, because then you you felt you could really feel and you didn't have to just look at his face, which at that from that perspective we couldn't see his face. We saw the back mm-hmm. of his head and neck, but that just really made it all the more real instead of having to like emote that on his face and how scared he was. You could almost feel it yourself. I think I had goosebumps at the same time seeing that going, "Whoa." And and this makes me sad. Poor Will, that poor kid. Yeah. Cannot, he it's cannot like he can't just even, be normal. <laughs> can't even go up and go to the bathroom without having like a episode. I know. And that flipping, whatever the hell it was that he saw in the sky. Yeah. Um, I think they're calling it the shadow monster. Okay. Um, from what I saw. And when, when, when people are discussing the trailer, they're calling that whatever that thing is that he saw come, kind of when the cl- come out of those like storm cloud things um from the upside down that looks like something straight up out of stephen king mm-hmm. uh, like something from the mist those yeah, real yeah that's a good call wackadoodle creatures that come out 
uh, you know, from the mist that just you do not belong here. <laughs> well, I know? thought they're like tentacles at first, but they're just really long legs because in the end of this, you see a really clear shot that it has like a big giant head too. Yeah, that thing looks like it could have eaten the demigorgon. I mean, <laughs> that was intimidating. That was scary. And what? And it wasn't just like I mean, Will said it was evil. It's almost like he can feel it. Um, that, or, and you know, he can sense that it's evil and feel that it's evil. And that, that I think is more scary almost than that, that Demogorgon that we had last season. I mean, I thought that thing was super scary, but that seemed, that thing just seemed more like an animal where it was just on instinct killing and eating things. Like it didn't have, it wasn't necessarily like evil, like it had a purpose. It was just a wild animal, um, that existed in the upside down. And we just got a peek in the upside down of how scary this place is. But now we're really kind of seeing what the hell's coming out of there. I mean, there was so much in this episode. I know we're not going to cover everything. You know, we saw that Paul Reiser as this yeah. new doctor guy. I love him. I, I love seeing, you know, all these people that I- I've known a long time in, in shows and movies. I mean, he came from aliens, one of my all time favorite movies. To see I remember him from mad about you. That's the first time I think I've ever saw him. Yeah, well, I watched that too. I loved him in Mad About You, but that it was definitely not my first introduction to him because I, I was a huge um, Aliens fan as a kid, and he was a, a real uh, not nice guy. He was a um, cover-up guy in that in that movie, and I think that's real interesting to know where he came from in Aliens if you are familiar with his character in that movie, and then to see him here, it's like he comes across as like, you can trust me. I'm a good mm-hmm. guy. I am not Dr. Brenner. Like you mentioned, he's like the complete opposite of like Dr. Brenner. He's got a good bedside manner. He's, you know, a, a fun, relatable guy. But do we really trust him? I mean, he's, I don't know. I mean, is, and why is he really there? And what's, what's their purpose? And you can see how they've kind of contained the upside down to not go away. What, whatever events happened last season with Eleven and the Demigorgon and her getting rid of him did not close that gate. That gate is still like there. And, and they have it, I mean, they've got, it seems like a better kind of containment around it or whatever, but you saw them go in with the, like the, 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 oh shoot, what's that thing called? The fire thingy. The like um, flamethrower. Yeah, flamethrower. Why can I not think of that? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you see them go in with that. So there's stuff still creeping out of that thing. I mean, they're going in there. It looks like it's a, oh, this is a daily, weekly Mm-hmm. Kind containment of thing. type thing yeah where this is routine for them that this there's still things coming out of the upside down and they're having to routinely go in there and get rid of it whatever's creep still creeping out so that to me was like a scary moment it's like oh my god that did not go away there's it's still trying to get into our world it's still there's still the crack here and it's still trying to seep its way in you can see it happening with will you can see it happening there um, this thing is whatever's happening is not contained and they haven't figured out how to close that off or make it go away that was kind of creepy. Um, I totally intruded in on your notes. What other notes did you have? Oh, uh, well, the last note I had is, you know, our friend fucking Ted. Fucking Ted. So, you know, they're, you know, they're, uh, the mom's trying to basically discipline <laughs> Mike. And, you know, they're talking about, like, you had a rough year, blah, blah, blah. I said something about his friends did it. It's like, oh, well, if your friends jumped off a bridge, would you? It's like, okay, that's a total dad thing to say. Yes. But but the line that got me, so they're talking about like, you know, this isn't your first strike. You know, you, you know, this is strike one, strike two, and then Ted jumps and is like, Yeah, this is like strike twenty. You're not in the game anymore, you're on the bench. And if you had my coach, you'd be off the team. And goes right back to eating. Like the total nonsense comment. Yes. And even Mike's like, fucking dad. Yeah. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. 
So I'm glad at least there's one character I can still hate, and that's Ted. We can always rely on Ted. That's <laughs> hilarious because I had the same exact note. That line, oh, if your friends jumped off a cliff, would you jump too? And I was like, ugh. I mean, I was yeah. right there with, with Mike rolling my eyes. And I'm like, really, Ted, that's the best thing that you've got? <laughs> is, <laughs> is that old, tired, you know, parent line <laughs> that, oh, I've. I've never used that, by the way, just, you know, in, in, in defense. I've never said that. Um, I'm going to do my best not to. <laughs> I'm going to encourage you to please not let that roll off your tongue as as your young boy grows up and, and starts to do those foolish things in, in, as, at that age. You know, I, I hate that line. I'm going to say I've never – I don't think I've ever used it. My kid will probably tell me otherwise. Um, but she doesn't listen to this, so that's okay. She'll never know <laughs> to, to correct me. Um Exactly. Fucking Ted. But that was my last note. What did you have for notes? Um, let's see. A couple little fun things sprinkled throughout because, as, you know, we love the show for the mystery, the intrigue. It's scary. It's uh, all these wonderful things. Great characters. So many things. But one of, you know, my all-time favorites about this show is the, the 80s nostalgia of this, this show. And a couple little things sprinkled throughout that made me happy. I'm probably missing some. So I've only watched the show once guys. So keep that in mind, listeners. If you see other things, point them out to me right in and tell me of other things that I missed. Cause I think, I think Nancy, I did not rewind it cause I was trying to watch this and take my notes so we could record. I think Nancy had a new poster, um, in her room. I might be wrong, but last year it was Tom Cruise. Um, I'm pretty sure. And yeah, last uh, year it was Tom Cruise. So I think, it was in a flash when she caught Mike uh, taking the money from her piggy bank that there was a new poster. So um, I'm going to try and watch it a second time sometime and go back and see what that was. But I'm, I want to know what that poster was. It's killing me. Uh, but we saw Terminator playing at the theater. Yeah, saw that, that. Yeah, that came out in 1984. And, I mean, talk about a classic. I love, love, love Terminator. Um, T2 as well was pretty damn awesome. So that was super cool to see that. We talked a little bit about the Mad Max reference. The the new kid in town, Maxine, calls herself Mad Max. Um, thought that was a nice little um, throwback to the Mel Gibson movie. Uh, I don't remember the year that that came out, but I know it was early 80s. Um, that's also a pretty great movie. Um, the little paper fortune teller in Mr. Clark's class. Did mm-hmm. you spot that? I remember did, those, yeah. Did, so I know we had them whenever I was in school. Did you have them as well? Did they carry on when you were in school too? Yeah, we still had them. Those okay. were pretty cool. Yeah, they were totally fun. I mean, we would do those in class and get in trouble all the time. We had them outside at recess. Those were just the best. So that totally took me back. Um, I bet they don't do that anymore. I don't know. I'm not sitting in classrooms. I bet kids aren't doing that in, anymore, but... They're missing out because that was that was fun. Um, talked about Paul Reiser. Uh, talked about the gate not going away. And uh, of course, we talked a little bit about earlier the uh, Mr. Mom the movie that was given giving uh, Bob the brain a hard time about loving that movie, but I liked it too. <laughs> I really I'm I'm a huge Michael Keaton fan, and I really really liked him. So that was I, I love seeing that uh, movie in this show as well. That was super fun. Um, and that's that's all my notes. Nice, good notes. Yeah, awesome. Well, I think we covered that pretty well. I feel I feel good about that. Yeah, it was like I said, it was a great episode. Great. I mean, it's going to be tough for me to wait week to week. I'm sure a lot of people are probably you know binging the whole thing, but Mm -hmm. yeah, just you know keep bouncing back to us as we we see it one episode at a time. We kind of like you know relish. We relish it. We don't binge it. We just you know take a little bit of a time. 
Yeah, we're just going to pretend it's like Game of Thrones or Walking Dead when it's on air and you're having to wait that week uh, for that new episode to come out. So I'll probably go back and watch the first one again to try and take in more of it um, since because normally I do watch it twice before we record so I can just watch it as a fan and then I'll watch it again and take all my notes and and do like my top five and stuff. So I only got to watch it once since it was just released um, today and we, you know, watched it and jumped in to record. So, uh, you know, we're probably, or I know I'm probably missing some things, but I thought it was awesome. I'm definitely going to be watching it again and I might jump in early and watch the second one early, but I'm going to stick to the week by week. This is going to be tough for me. I don't, I watched the first season the first time around when it came out in a day. So, <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to hold back because I'm dying to see what happens next. Uh, it's going to be tough, but we're going to do it. We're going to do it somehow. Someone's just going to have to take my Netflix away, <laughs> Ch change my password so I don't have access for a week. That should um, be a setting on a, like you like can't binge, like anti-binge mode. <laughs> right. How do we turn that off? I don't know how to reverse that. <laughs> okay. That, I think that was super awesome. Uh, some really good stuff. So we're we ready to jump into the news. Yeah, let's jump into it. All right. Why don't you go ahead and start the first one? All right. So the first one comes from The Hollywood Reporter. So Beyond Stranger Things will debut on the streamer October 27th, the same day as Stranger Things 2 releases. Netflix Stranger Things becomes the latest series to get the after-show treatment. The streaming giant is launching Beyond Stranger Things, a post-show rehash for the sci-fi phenomenon that deb debuted in 2016. Hosted by writer, producer, actor, and superfan Jim Rash, the show after the show promises to explore the inspiration for the series, tell behind-the-scenes stories, and analyze every aspect of the second season, including answering all the burning questions. All seven episodes will be airing uh, will be available to watch on October 27th, the same day Stranger Things 2 is released on the streaming platform. However, viewers will be advised not to start watching Beyond Stranger Things until after they have finished watching the entire new season of the drama, as there will no doubt be major spoilers along the way. Unlike the genre's other after shows, which air installments following each episode, Netflix's iteration will automatically play for the viewers completing the final episode of Stranger Things 2. Beyond Stranger Things marks the streaming service's first foray into after show programming on its platform and has been considered a Netflix original series. It's produced by Embassy Row, the producer company behind one of the many successful after shows on the air, Talking Dead, along with several other unscripted post show series. Michael Davis and Jen Kelly Patton serve as executive producers on the forthcoming talk show with Patrick Dooley, Duty, is it Duty? That's a bad last name. <laughs> That's bad. <laughs> as a supervising producer. Guests on the after show will include creators Ross and Matt Duffer and executive producer and director Sean Levy, along with Stranger Things, many stars. Among the cast members making an appearance is Millie Bobby Brown, Sean Astin, Lillian Berthason, I'm terrible with names, Natalie Dyer, Brett Gelman, David Harbour, Randy Havens, Charlie Heaton, Joe Carey, uh, Gatton Matazaro, uh, Caleb McCollin, uh, see, Decree Montgomery, Paul Reiser, Noah Schnapp, Sadie Sink, and Finn Wolfhard. Whew. Stranger <laughs> Things is simply the latest series in, to get the after show treatment. AMC has done so most notably with Chris Hardwick's hosted Talking Dead and then followed up with Hardwick hosted Talking Bad and Talking Saul for Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, respectively. That's interesting that they're having this after show uh, similar to like they do with Talking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead. And um, why weren't we asked to host that, Sean? I know. We could have done a good job with it. We could have um, totally done a great job with that. Yeah. I'm sure it's because they already booked uh, Jim Ross before we got there, before we started our podcast. So I... maybe maybe uh, season three they'll get us. Yeah. Well, 
they would be lucky to have us. <laughs> but yeah, check that out. I think I'm going to check it out after, like like they said, be forewarned to not watch until you've already watched it, because I guess there will be some spoilers. But um, I think I'll be checking that out. But definitely um, listen to our podcast first, and then go watch this. Yeah, um, we're kind of like, we're probably the better talking Yeah. Uh, strange. Yeah, because we, we are strange. So yeah, I found that. <laughs> indeed. I found that really, yeah, we are very strange indeed. <laughs> Good point. Um, the next one's from Entertainment Weekly. Um, so they've made a list of eight movies that you need to watch before binging Stranger Things 2. This might come in a little bit late because some of you may have already, if you watched it whenever it was released at 3 a.m. Um, at, at what is it Pacific Time or whatever it was, uh, you may have already finished the, this before listening to uh, our sh- episode here. But here are eight movies you need to watch before binging Stranger Things 2. So series creators Ross and Matt Duffer are huge film buffs and pay homage to many classic movies in the second installment of their Netflix hit. So the first one on the list is Aliens uh, from 1986. So I talked a little bit about that one. This was James Cameron's space saga influenced the Duffer brothers, particularly in their casting of star Paul Reiser as the enigmatic Dr. Owens. Is he like Aliens' Burke? Or is he just a nice dude? Hmm. Close Encounters of the Third Kind, 1977. So the Duffer brothers are huge Spielberg fans, so naturally this classic film comes into play, particularly in a specific shot of Will looking out his door at the beginning of the season. Yeah, that was a definite throwback there. Um, The Karate Kid, also from 1984. So Stranger Things is set during Halloween in 1984, as is a portion of this Mm, iconic drama. Nice. Yeah. Ghostbusters, also from 1984. The core group of kids in Things dresses up like these ghoul hunters for Halloween. The Duffers had to get permission from Ivan Reitman and Dan Aykroyd to use these costumes. That oh, was, that's cool. Yeah, that's interesting. Gremlins, also released in 1984. Uh, there's a Duffers homage uh, to the Joe Dante horror flick, and I'm not going to tell you what it was. I saw it, but I'm not going to tell you guys. You, you wait for it because it didn't happen yet in this first episode. Jurassic Park from 1993. So obviously not an 80s movie, but Jurassic Park still worked its way into Things uh, Part 2. Why we're saying Jurassic Park is like the scene in the kitchen with the raptors, explains Ross. Our favorite stuff is where you're just glimpsing a monster. If you can do it with a sound or a shadow, we always try and do it because we think it's more effective. I totally yeah. agree. It's I like thought Jaws. the guys... Yeah, Jaws, you don't see the shark until the end. Uh-huh. I like, too, uh, the guy that was sitting there listening to the radio at the very end at the facility. Yeah. When all the alert, alert alarms and stuff were going off. Uh-huh. He reminded me of the computer scientist from Jurassic Park. Yes, yeah, was it Samuel Jackson? Um, no, uh, the Newman guy. Oh, yeah, Newman. Newman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he did remind me of him. And, um, yeah, it, that, that that thing lit up like uh, Joyce's Christmas lights. Um, that was not a good thing. Another movie on the list was Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, also from 1984. Love, love, love this one. Um, the second indie film is a pivotal influence in the second installment of things, says Ross Duffer. We've got a soft spot for Temple of Doom. As do I. Uh, the last one on the list is Escape from New York from 1981. The Duffer brothers were inspired by both the look and the score of this John Carpenter cult classic. So if you haven't seen any of those already, you should uh, check those out. It will definitely get you in the, um, kind of give you in that uh, vibe for Stranger Things too. All right, so the Hollywood Reporter is our last story. So seismic things are happening within Hawkins, Indiana. The small town at the heart of Stranger Things, the Netflix series created by the twin brothers Matt and Ross Duffer, 
is about to grow exponentially in size and scope. The coming season of the thriller, which takes place in a slice of middle America with a heavy, heavy, uh, with a healthy helping of 1980s nostalgia, stands ready to flesh out the expansion world of the upside down of the demigorgon contained within it when it drops Friday. Once again, leaning on a bevy of iconic cinematic experiences as inspired for the road ahead. Number one on the inspiration call sheet, James Cameron's Alien, a film referenced at numerous points throughout season two in both subtle and overt ways. The most obvious of which is the casting of Paul Reiser as the new Hawkins scientist named Dr. Owens. We talked about Aliens because we were looking at the most successful sequels of all time. And Aliens is arguably one of the most successful sequels, Matt Duffer tells The Hollywood Reporter about putting the season together. I love that people argue over whether Alien or Aliens is better, and I've changed my mind a hundred times. It takes a lot of feeling and a lot of what worked about Alien, and then James Cameron did this amazing pivot almost into another genre. He expanded the scope and made it feel the same, but also very different. When you're looking at where the bar is, I always go to Aliens. Naturally, we want to give a couple of nods to it. For his part, executive producer Sean Levy, who also directs two episodes this season, fresh on the heels of scoring his first Oscar nomination earlier this year as a producer on director Dennis something or another's arrival, uh, explains that the aliens' homage are more than just winks and nods from the Duffers to the film they hold in high regard. Aliens is one we evoke the most, but it fits alongside Terminator 2, Judgment Day, and The Empire Strikes Back as sequels that manage to honor the first iteration and then take shit to the next level, says Levy about the mission statement for the season. That was definitely the goal. Aliens exponentially grows the threat level, and we very much wanted to do that. We can get into the specific Aliens references once Season 2 drops in entirely and stay frosty because there are many Aliens references indeed, no question about it. But without getting into spoiler territory, here's one way the two properties connect. The fact that a resilient child in over their head is at the heart of the tale. In Aliens, the story largely centers on Rebecca, Newt Jordan, the lone survivor of an alien assault on her family's colony. In Stranger Things, several different kids fill a similar role. Take your pick from characters ranged from Finn Wolfhard's Mike Wheeler to Millie Bobby Brown's uh, Eleven. But there's one child actor stepping out of the shadows of season one and firmly into the light. Will Byers, the young boy who disappeared in the, into the Upside Down, fueled all the action of season one. Once again, we will find himself at the vortex of the Stranger Things storm, but in a much more active capacity. In my opinion, if season two belongs to anyone, it is the season of the snap, says Levy. When we cast Noah in season one, we knew that this kid was special. But we also knew this kid was going to be sparingly used all season one. But we cast him anyway because we knew that his moment was coming in season two. Noah steps in as dramatically the season as we expected, but more, much more brilliantly than we hoped. He's able to, like a light switch, toggle to these traumatic and extreme scenes. It's like we bought a Ferrari and kept it in the garage for an entire season. And finally, with season two, we get to let the Ferrari out onto the open road. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's, that's good awesome. news. Like, I'm excited for that. Like, I really want to see that Will character come to light. Yeah, I'm super excited to see more of him. Um, I think he's got a lot of talent, so it, it's I'm interested to see more Will. That's for sure, and to get to see him more interact with with the with the boys because we only got a short um, piece of that in the first season on episode one before Will disappeared. Um, that relationship, uh, so I'm, I'm anxious to see them all together. Great news, great news. So we've got some letters from the Upside Down, and this is some listener feedback that we've got. So keep it coming, guys. We really, really love reading these. Um, the first one that we have is from Robin Young Sanders. It says, really, really enjoyed your coverage of season one. I was stoked to find out that I wasn't the only one to like Mr. Clark. 
I laughed so hard listening to Sean admit that he was starting <laughs> to like Steve the D. And because of you two, I now always refer to Steve as Steve the D and Ted as fucking Ted. <laughs> LOL. That's awesome. Holly Robin Spike. Uh, so been enjoying the show. Was great to listen to as I worked on my Joyce Byers costume for a burlesque act I am doing this Saturday. Can't wait for season two. Awesome, Holly. I well, I mean, I guess if you want to share some of those, that'd be pretty cool to see. Yeah, I'd love to see some more pictures of that. She shared a really great, um, obviously our listeners can't see it, but it was, um, I'll try and get it posted on our on our page. I was having some issues getting it posted, so don't think that I didn't see it. She had a really great, um, you could just see, you can see uh, the uh, a drawback piece of just real close. It was uh, the... Uh, the alphabet that Joyce had on her wall last season with the Christmas lights was what her costume was. Um, oh, or at least awesome. that was part of it anyway. So uh, share some more pictures, Holly. We'd love to see them. It's super cool. Um, we got an email that was really great. This is from Eric Lloyd. He says, hey, guys, I started listening this week, which is the week of season two premiere. You've got a great thing going. Please keep this podcast going. Sean and Rima's banter inside ex- is extremely well done. Also, if you're needing more Stranger Things-esque stuff, you guys should check out the artist, The Alphabet Zero, if you haven't already. He's written a song about Eleven and Will that's a perfect fit for the feel of the soundtrack and show. It's called Friends Don't Lie, and I can't stop mm-hmm. listening. Take care. Cool, Eric. Thanks for that. We'll check it out. Yeah, that seems pretty cool. I like the title. Yeah, I like that too. That was such a strong theme um, in the last season. I, I'm sure we'll probably see. I would like to see it come, you know, kind of come back and make it its way back around in the season. But that was certainly big last season. Was friends don't lie. So thanks everyone for the feedback. We really enjoy. I love reading the emails. I love getting listener feedback. Um, we we recorded this so quick that we didn't allow anyone time to uh, give feedback on this particular episode because we watched it and then recorded and you know everyone's kind of watching at different times. So I don't have anything specific. But if you want to um, you know write in any comments about this episode or any episode, we'll read it um, and definitely um, pay attention to it. So thanks everyone. Yep. Thanks, everybody. So Reem and I will be taking a week off for a Walker Stalker Con, and I will be strange and deeding it up on a beach in Mexico. So hopefully, nice. like I said, I'm not in too much of a self-induced upside down, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, but we'll be back on November 9th and covering the second episode from Season 2 titled Chapter 2, Trick or Treat, Freak. Um, as of right now, there's no description available at this time, but... Um, I mean, just off this first one, I'm super excited for it. So I, I don't even need a description. I don't really care what the descriptions are because I'm going to watch no matter what. It's going to mm-hmm. kill me not to be jumping so far ahead. But, um, yeah, just as a reminder, everyone, I'll try and keep posting as a reminder because I know everybody's probably going to be watching this show and, and wanting to maybe hear something on a podcast and what we have to say about it or, you know, um, and we appreciate you doing so. But, yep, um, my plan or my trip has been planned for for a year. I know Sean's had his at least planned for a year, so we appreciate the patience. Um, and I think we're going to need the recovery. I might not be spending as much time in Mexico as you, but I know um, <laughs> from any Walker Stalker Con that I go to, especially because this one's Atlanta, I'm going to need some recovery time as well. <laughs> and hopefully, you don't get lost on that beach in Mexico, <laughs> so we can come back and record on um, episode two. So. We're super excited for you to travel to Hawkins, Indiana with us. And until then, you can follow us on Twitter at Strange T Cast. 
You can like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash StrangerTCast. And you can email us at StrangerThingsCastPod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV Time app. You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts like Under the Comic Covers at podcastica.com. Go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed or any of the other great Podcastica podcasts on Apple Podcasts. Yes, there's some awesome ones out there. Check them out. Um, also, be sure to check out Sean and his other podcast. Yeah. The Language of Bromance comes out every Sunday. And this Sunday, if you like Halloween, it's our special Broloween episode. Yes. All right, and also just a reminder, uh, go to Freshly.com and helps uh, one of the sponsors of our episode, um, and you can choose your meal from one of the weeks of the rotating menu, and they send it to you in a refrigerated box. Um, and just to remember, the promo code is STRANGE, uh, and it gives our listeners two weeks of chef-cooked dinners for $40 off. So you get $20 off your first order and $20 off your second. Yum. All right, well, that's our show, Episode 9, Chapter 1, Mad Max. Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And Robin Young Sanders is strange indeed. We know you've had a hard year, Michael, but we've been patient. This isn't strike one. This isn't even strike three. It's strike 20. You're on the bench, son. And if it had been my coach, I'd be lucky to still be on the team. U-P-S-I-D-E. We're in the upside down. And we're going to eat everybody. <laughs> <laughs>